Thanks for listening to the Movement Church Podcast. Movement is located in Newport, Kentucky, and you're always welcome to join us on a Sunday morning at 1030. Hope you enjoy this podcast. Well, thanks so much to the band for you for leading us here this morning. If you're, you're watching online, you notice that we've added a few things in terms of tech. And so uh, we're just trying to take, continue to take steps that will help us achieve our mission of helping people find and follow Jesus. And guess what? We're all figuring it out as we go along. And so I just want to say thank you for coming along in this journey with us, uh, for doing this with us in a way in which that is uh, patient, is humble, is encouraging, and, and is a way in which that there is such uh, buy-in. Uh, buy-in not for a church, but buy-in for the gospel. And, and so we have been in this series on the Sermon on the Mount. And we're going to be spending time at the start, the first six or seven verses of Matthew chapter 7. If you've got a Bible, you can go and flip there. If you can want to fire up the app on your phone, by all means, go for that as well. Uh, but before we do that, uh, I, I just want to take a moment. How, how powerful it was to sing a song about peace and sing a song about how the darkness that we may experience is overcome by Jesus. That's such, such an important thing right now. But I think it's also really important for us to find time to reflect on truth, find time to find and figure out ways to gather, and to laugh. Now, I don't know about you, but there is a lot of weird stuff online, right? There's a lot of weird stuff. And today we're talking about judging and discernment and wisdom, and you'll often hear that phrase, that cliche, that you can't judge a book by its cover. Well, I have some examples that would fly in the face of that. This first one will be up here on the screen. Now, I'm going to repeat this just for the people all watching online, but this is a book called Crafting with Cat Hair, okay? Now, maybe that was uh, going to upset your stomach, or maybe you've got cats at home, and you think, sure, that's something that could be an easy thing to do during a quarantine to pass the time, so on and so forth. The next one is just for, for Rich Miller, because he's such a woodworker. It's identifying wood, right? A very incredibly important and tangible thing that we can do uh, to, to better use uh, the resources around us, right? This next one's one of my favorites. Be bold with bananas, right? What were we doing with bananas, right? Were we being timid? Were we being meek? I'm not sure. My son uh, is, is in this phase where he has a banana every time before bed. Every, every time he, before he goes to bed, he has to have a banana, which is fine. Like, we're not going to tell the kid he can't have fruit, right? Uh, but there's been times where we'll be putting him down to bed, and he'll, like, whisper conspiratorially to us, Mommy or Daddy, I had three bananas. <laughs> like, well, we got to go to Kroger tomorrow to get some more bananas, right? He's being very bold. Now this one, this guy's got onto something, right? Everything I know about women, I learned from my tractor, all right? All right, now this is a, uh, a family-friendly environment, so we're going to leave that alone. We got someone saying amen in the back as well. And then this last one's for our single folks, how to poo on a date, a lover's guide to toilet etiquette. Who doesn't need some help in that? Who has been in that spot where, uh, am I allowed to kind of go? What's going on there? So you can't judge a book by, by its cover, right? Except sometimes you can. Except sometimes you can. You can judge a book by its cover. Now, all that goofiness aside, right, in this series on the Sermon on the, on the Mount, we're looking at the countercultural ways of Jesus, right? So here's, here's a truth that was tr true 2,000 years ago and is true today. The teachings of Jesus run against the norms, the standards, the values of the dominant society. They always do. 
Because the gospel message always pushes us, always challenges us. And the Sermon on the Mount is almost like this, this deconstruction where Jesus says, you have heard all of these things said, right? You have heard it said that you're supposed to do eye for an eye. You've heard it said that you're not supposed to murder. You've heard it said this and that. You've heard it said that piety and faithfulness means that you are showing your faith outwardly in ostentatious ways. Well, Jesus comes along and says something very, very different. And he is very clear. He says, I'm not abolishing what was before, what we would call the law or the Hebrew Bible or the Old Testament. I'm not, I'm not just scrapping this. I am fulfilling it. I am bringing it to perfection. And so he goes on here in Matthew chapter 7 to speak about judgment. And this section of Scripture, these six verses, contain some of the more popular teachings of Jesus and things that we may hear from other people. So follow along with me. It'll be on the screen. In Matthew chapter 7, starting in verse 1, Jesus says this, Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take that speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Jesus goes on, he says, do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. So there's kind of three parts here. There's three uh, uh, big kind of sections in this, these six verses. And the first two, we're kind, of, we're kind of tracking with this, right? Like we can kind of get on board with this. This last one that we're going to visit later about pearls and pigs, and we're going to come back to that. But let's look at these first two things here first. I think this idea of don't judge or you'll be judged or, the, or the, the, the hyperbolic absurdist comedy act that Jesus does here about the sawdust and the two by four, right? I think this is some of the most commonly cited or quoted teachings of Jesus among Christians and non-Christians, right? I have heard this spouted off by people who aren't followers of Jesus, right? This is something that is, has transcended just faith. Like, this is something that culturally is part of the dialogue, right? I think this is something that people are familiar with. And a lot of critics seem to be familiar, uh, critics of Christianity seem to be familiar with this. And to be honest, I don't really blame them, right? I, I think they have a point. Because I think all people, regardless of their faith or lack thereof, are, are in a way predisposed, right? They are, they are predisposed to judge. Uh, maybe this is some sort of like inherited trait, like we're just used to defending those that we love, we're on the lookout, or, or, or maybe it has to do with something about, about that fight or, fight or flight response or, or what have you. But I think we're always like judging, right? We're, like that's something that we do. And you can't, really, you can't really just explain this thing away, right? When Jesus is really clear on this. Uh, Christians, that we've got this, we've got the representation of God on earth. Jesus is God come to earth telling us explicitly we're not to judge. And we can't just explain this one away. Because here's the, the dirty little secret of biblical interpretation it, it's kind of like the internet. If you look hard enough, you can find it. You can find all sorts of different takes on this, you can find all sorts of different ways to read this, and I think sometimes to just explain something away. But I think when we think about Jesus here, when we think about what he's saying is that, that even though it's, it's difficult, it's not unclear. 
Because here's the thing. I think the interpretation of what Jesus is saying is pretty clear. I think, it's, I think it's rather obvious. I think the problem we have with this passage and plenty of others isn't trying to figure out what Jesus meant. It's trying to apply it. And then when we start to apply it, we realize that's difficult. We realize there's challenges there in that. And so all of a sudden we try to explain it a little bit differently. So meaning isn't the issue, it's the application. But before we talk about application, let's talk about some of the basics of the interpretation. Jesus talks and says, don't judge. Don't judge or you will be judged. Take out the, the, the two by four out of your own eye before you try to get the speck of sawdust out of your friends. What Jesus is talking about here, this word judge, is about what we might call discernment or having to do with wisdom. This isn't about, about the judgment seat that God has where God decides what is good, what is wrong, what is right, what is just, what is evil, what is sinful. This is not that judgment seat. Vengeance is God's as is judgment. It is not ours. Remember, see this in the whole scope of the Sermon on the Mount, right? Jesus is talking about loving your enemies, about going the extra mile, about doing these creative things to resist, but not falling into their own game, to recognize that when we hate, when we lust, these are going to manifest physically. And the thought, the, the, the seed of it is just as dangerous when it comes to full life. So it's the application where we get a little sideways here. So understand this, Jesus is talking about being discerning. Jesus is talking about being discerning, about being wise. So think about if you're in that spot some 2,000 years ago, you're, you're there by the Sea of Galilee, which is really more of a lake. It's very small, and, and it's a very kind of fertile area compared to the rest of it. It's kind of this, this area that's very lush and green, and, and things grow there, so people are live, living there. And Jesus is this itinerant rabbi, this itinerant preacher who appears to be homeless and is not really connected to the, to the structures, but speaks a lot about the structures, and is also talking about this kingdom, this, this thing that seems to threaten the Romans or threaten the, the religious establishment. And he comes and he teaches some of the most important things of life. And he comes and he hits them with this. He comes and he's hitting them with this, this idea of don't judge. Because Jesus isn't talking about judgment in the sense of a final judgment. He's talking about discernment, about judging a book by its cover. You know, in the same way that we'll make decisions based on appearances. Uh, and, and sometimes we'll allow those decisions to become final. But the thing about the times in which you've shopped for a car, you'll take a look on the outside, you'll walk around, you'll try to figure this out, you'll take it for a test drive. Or, or think about the times when you bought a home or a, you know, a condo or something like that. You walk through and, and you look at everything, you think this is going to be great, right? You're making some judgments. You're making some, some choices. What, what is wise here? And of course, like two months later, you're going to realize that oh, when I accelerate, the radio turns off, or oh, that curtain rod is crooked, it's been that way the whole time. Like, like you'll, your eyes will be open to that. But Jesus is talking here not about judgment, this is right, this is wrong, this is about saying what is best. Because in a few verses later, in Matthew chapter 7, verse 16, he's teaching about false prophets and people who would be a threat and kind of be a dangerous uh, a person to follow. And he says this, by their fruit, you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? We've heard this cliche as well, right? You judge a tree by its fruit. You judge a person by what comes out of them. You judge a person by what they do, right? You judge a person by, by what they do when they're not seen, when they're not on the stage. So even if 
you disagree with somebody. Even if you say it is not wise for me to allow them to have influence on my life, it's not wise for me to to allow them to speak into my life, I wouldn't trust them with my money, with my kids, with, with, with helping me make a decision, whatever that means. It doesn't mean that they are your enemy. Hear that. Just because you disagree with somebody doesn't make them your enemy. Jesus tells us that we are to love our enemies. See, what's going on here is that Jesus is, is teaching us. Remember everything he said about the hypocritical priestly class who would put on a show with their faith. Jesus is talking about self-awareness over self-righteousness, right? Because this is what we do when we judge, when it goes bad. We come up with this rubric. We come up with this standard, and we say, well, I'm not as bad as they are. I'm not as bad as they are. We'll be sitting around, maybe you're with some other parents, and you're a parent, you're maybe getting together, you're, you're hanging out in the backyard or something, and their kids are fussy, which never happens in my house. Their kids are fussing, they're, they're whining, they're complaining, they're fighting, whatever, and they just hand them a tablet. Or they, they, they fly off the handle. And you sit back and you say, man, I'm glad I'm not I'm no parent like that, right? I'm glad I'm, I'm glad I'm not that bad of a parent. And then you go home, and the whole way home, you're yelling at the kids in the back seat, or whatever it is, right? Like, like we judge ourselves based on how other people act. We, we say, well, I'm not as bad as they are, which leads to this self-righteous thing. See, Jesus is kind of destroying this whole idea, this whole idea that doesn't really make sense when you think about it. It isn't from Scripture, but it's kind of out there and very resilient this idea that we get to heaven that we get on God's good side by doing enough good things right we think about you weigh yourself out and if you're better than x amount of people then you're good Jesus is saying it's not about grading yourself against others the gospel the gospel message isn't about grading ourselves against others we grade ourselves against God we come up short and then God invites us in it's absurd it's ridiculous it doesn't make logical sense but this is what Jesus lived and invites us into it destroys that whole idea but then i think we're good at this point right jesus says don't judge okay we got it we can follow along with that and then he starts talking about pearls and pigs don't cast your pearls don't cast what is sacred don't cast what is sacred to the swine to the pigs in other translations it's dogs this was kind of a euphemism, kind of a slur for those who were not Jewish. The Romans, the Greeks, the Samaritans, and basically anyone who wasn't Jewish. Jesus is teaching here essentially, saying, don't take what is sacred and give it to them. I said you can find just about anything in terms of biblical interpretation. One take on this, and it's not an uncommon one, is that there are those people who are not deserving of the gospel. What a self-righteous attitude. But Jesus says it. So what do we do with this? How do we, how do we figure this out? Because here's the reality. I'm here, I'm a follower of Jesus, and I'm not Jewish. If you know scripture, if you know about the early church, the early church, the, the message, the gospel message of Jesus takes root in the Jewish communities, but then explodes into the Gentile communities, into the whole world. So what happens? Is the early church going against the teachings of Jesus? 
Well, one of the last things that we have from Jesus that was recorded before he ascends to heaven comes from Acts chapter 1, verse 8. And Jesus is giving final instructions to his disciples. Maybe this comes right around the Great Commission where he tells them to go into all the world. Maybe this is a separate instance, but this is towards the end. This is resurrected Jesus before he ascends to heaven. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Luke records Jesus saying this. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all of Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Jesus is saying that this, this gospel message is going to spread. It's going to include more and more people. It's going to include these Gentiles, these people that are dogs, these people who are pigs that you shouldn't cast your pearls to. See, the mission, the gospel mission of Jesus is that it expands, but there is an order of things. There's a method behind this mission. It appears that Jesus there in Matthew chapter 7 is saying, hey, start here, start with your community, your people, and then as it goes on, Jesus expands this mission. He doesn't change. He just kind of takes the next step in this. He takes the next step and says, this goes out. Because we read in Acts chapter 10 about Peter, who is that brash, foot-in-the-mouth apostle who is a leader but is a rule follower, having this encounter with a Roman, a Gentile officer, not just Gentile in terms of different in terms of religion, but different in terms of politics and authority and oppression. And he shows up being led by a vision to go visit this officer. And in Acts chapter 10, we read the account. Peter says, you are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate or with or visit a Gentile. But God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. Now this is Peter saying the inside part outside, out, out loud, and he probably shouldn't, right? This is walking into a home and saying, now before, I would never associate with the dirty, unwashed likes of you, but God has shown me that I was wrong, so here I am with the dirty, unwashed that you are. Peter puts his foot in his mouth. He does this. But he points out how there's this barrier. This is awkward, but it continues to go on. Verse 34, it says, Then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel, announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. And he goes on to say what Jesus told him to do. He said, he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in his name receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Now that may not seem like a big deal to us, but this is a revolutionary statement. This is a world-changing statement. Peter does not arrive here easily. I am not supposed to associate with these people. These people are wrong. These people are the enemy. But the gospel changes them. The gospel changes you. Judge not and saying not to cast your pearls before pigs doesn't mean you close off from others. It doesn't mean that you impose a thinking that says there are some that are unclean and there are some that are clean. No, no, what's going on here is that way is over. And when the Spirit works through the church, when the Spirit leads the church, when the church is the church, those things are over 
and done with. At the start of the message of Jesus, in those gospel accounts, it was exclusive by and large. Jesus was sent as a Messiah to the Jewish people. It was just for them. It starts with the people of God. It fulfills God's promise that was made to Abraham, that covenant that was made to Abraham back in Genesis where God said, I'm making a covenant. And a covenant is simply this. It's not a contract. It's not a deal. A covenant is God saying, I'm going to do something. I would like you to do something in return. But regardless of what you do, I'm going to do this thing. And God says that regardless of what you do, I'm going to make your people my people. And you are going to be blessed for a reason. You're going to be blessed as a conduit, as a way to bless the entire world. So Jesus comes and he fulfills this just in the same way he's not abolishing the Old Testament law. He's not abolishing the teaching of that. He is fulfilling it. And Jesus fulfills that promise, that covenant that God makes with Abraham, that I'm going to bless the entire world. People are going to know of my goodness. They're going to be loved. They're going to be forgiven. They're going to be restored. They're going to be made clean. Because this is not about those who are on the outside. This is about welcoming those who are in. Here in Acts, we see Peter living out the Great Commission, doing something that is rather anti-racist by crossing these lines, race, religion, politics, everything. He crosses these lines. It goes against, it is countercultural to the ways of the times. Because remember that line about, remember the teaching about how casting pearls before pigs? And remember how I said that you can find just about anything in terms of biblical interpretation if you look long enough? Well, that line about casting pearls before pigs has been used to prop up racist policies and actions. It's been used by, the, by, by some <clears throat> as, as a way to kind of lord over the enslaved people and say, you don't even deserve the gospel. We can't even give that to you. We have to, we have to not only deny your humanity, but in doing so, we have to deny your ability to respond to the message of Jesus. So Peter crosses this line, right? We have to see what, what happens. We see what, what the Spirit does and moves forward because ultimately the mission is that it expands. See, what Jesus is telling us here is that by saying don't judge, and by saying don't cast your pearls for pigs, saying at that time that's what we want to do, that's what happens, but see how Jesus changes it. Jesus isn't saying that you don't have to go to people. He's not saying that you don't have to love those who disagree with you. He's saying the opposite. You can put up walls, barriers, and at times you need to. There are times where you need a boundary. You say, that person is not healthy for me, that's not good, but you don't turn that into hate. You can say, I disagree with this person fundamentally. I'm saying, I'm not going to allow this person to speak into my life, but you don't allow that to turn into hate. See, we still have to go to people. Yes, we must show discernment and wisdom. But this wisdom doesn't start from a place of of determining who is right and who is wrong. It starts with determining where I am wrong, right? It starts by realizing where's that two by four, that plank that's sticking out of my eye. It starts with humility, not with this clear scorecard or this clear line in the sand. It starts with humility because we go forward with humility and wisdom. But going to people, going to where people are, taking the message into our homes and our workplaces, our neighborhoods and all over the world, 
taking this message of Jesus, this gospel message, is really, really hard for the church. And I think especially hard for the modern church. See, I think you can make the argument that the church is the most closed on Sunday mornings. I think you can make the argument that the church is most closed on Sunday mornings. Yeah, literally, our door is open right now, right? We're broadcasting this to anyone who could find it online. We welcome anyone. And we celebrate and we need the vital reality of community, of gathering in all of its forms. But we all feel that pull to protect. We feel that pull to get around the people that are safe. And we need those people. We need those friendships, those relationships. But we get around those people who are safe and then we never leave them. And all of our energy goes to putting bricks on that wall and protecting us. But coming together, forming true community, as vital as it is, only works. It only works if it serves the purpose of sending us out. See, the church is not closed. At least it's not meant to be. And that has very little to do with Sunday at 1030. When we follow Jesus, we start with humility. We start with humility and the discernment that follows. And we take a step into mission. And we realize that people need to know this. People need to hear this story. And it leads us to that simple question. How are they going to hear it if no one tells them? How are they going to hear it? How are they going to see it if no one lives it? How are they going to know the power if they don't see it in the lives of others? See, the gospel forces humility. It forces mission. And it forces us to go forward. And let me close with this. Over the last few weeks, I've, I've felt this real clarity it's like I heard from God in an audible voice, but perhaps this is a spirit working my life. I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to mis- misstate that. But I've had this strong urge, this strong sense that we need to kind of re-anchor ourselves. If you've ever been on a boat and you've you've cast your anchor, even like a, like a little bass boat, right? You drift, and sometimes you got to pull the anchor up and you got to throw it back out to re-anchor yourself. And I think that when the storm is, is really intense and the waves are big or the current is strong, that we need to do that more often. And maybe right now, the waves are big and the current is strong and the wind's blowing. And so we re-anchor ourselves, not in our political ideology. We re-anchor ourselves not in our comfortable situation. We re-anchor ourselves not in our ethnic or racial identity We don't re-anchor ourselves in the midst of our family, as important as that is. We re-anchor ourselves in the gospel. And sometimes it is hard work to pull up an anchor. And sometimes when you do it, you're going to pull up the muck and the seaweed or whatever else is on the bottom of that, that body of water. But you re-anchor yourself. And a bit of a recurring theme is simply this. We do this by first hearing the gospel. On a daily basis, on a constant basis, we need to hear the gospel. We need to be reminded of the truth. 
that says we didn't do anything to earn this, and yet we've been adopted into this family. We need to live out the gospel. We look at the Sermon on the Mount and we see ways which we can live this out. We go to where people are. And finally, we have to start with the gospel. And maybe that should be point one, right? We can't allow the, the disagreements to be all we see. We can't allow the, the conflicts and the challenges to be all we see. We can't allow that to allow that to let us drive us to a place where we put up walls. We go, to, we go to battle with one another. We start with the gospel. We start with that humility. We hear the gospel, and we live that out. I'm going to invite the band to come up, and they're going to lead us in the last song, and they're going to lead us into a time of communion. So as you guys, you come on up and get, get us.